Rick Butler from Rocky Top Insider joins us and appreciate the time. Rick, how you doing this Thursday, brother? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? How are things uh, over there in Chattanooga? Well, I've got an issue. <laughs> I, oh, I am, okay. I am, not buy, I am not buying into Milton mania, as we have termed it here this week. Milton mania, to me, is as dead as a doornail, because I've seen enough sample size of that guy to think that we need to move on. I, I just don't, and I know Hypel really hasn't, He's he's pretty good at at not committing to stuff in press conferences and things like that. But you've you've been there and you've probably seen a couple of them this week. I mean, who do you think this the quarterback should be, or who do you and who do you think it will be when they kick off at noon on Saturday? Well, let's let's start right off the top with a little bit of Milton mania. I, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I like that lingo that you guys are using there. Total okay, ch- tongue, so tongue in cheek. <laughs> Total tongue in cheek. Yeah, I, I like it. Well, uh, let's let's break this thing down from the top, and that is starting with Joe Milton's injury that he suffered last Saturday against Pittsburgh. When we talked to uh, when we talked to Josh Heupel at the beginning of the week, he was very uh, just did not give away any kind of answer, and, and frankly, that's what we've seen from Josh Heupel throughout the season so far, and, and that has continued on. So right now, we don't entirely know the health status of Joe Milton going forward, although we did hear that he was on the practice field on Wednesday when Josh Eiffel was on the SEC teleconference. So I, I, I got to be honest, when I hear from this coaching staff and just kind of hearing what they've been talking about all throughout fall camp leading into the season, here during the season, I still believe that they're confident in what they have seen on the practice field in Joe Milton. I still think that Josh Heupel believes that this is a guy that he, he can work with, just like a lot of these other quarterbacks that he's used in the past. He can work to that level but at the end of the day, guys, it, it, this is a it's almost a reoccurring situation for Tennessee fans. A coaching staff telling us or telling the fans that a a quarterback has been really good on the practice field, but it just doesn't translate to the game. Yeah, and I you know I have to question how we all know what Milton's issue is. You know he's got a lot of uh, great assets. There's a lot of pros with Milton, uh, but that one con, that one con stands out. I mean, and there's a lot of points left on the table uh, due to that con, and that's just he just overthrows uh, wide open wide receivers. And how do you coach that up? I mean, that's my question because uh, I, I don't. That's not a read. I mean, that's just simply taking some air out of the ball or putting more air in the ball or throwing it higher. I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, I understand he's seeing some good things in practice, but you know that don't matter. Well, you you're watching film from game day and that's what matters it's either a howitzer or it's nothing i mean really yeah guys i i completely agree with you and you know from what i have seen it again i think the thing about milton is it you guys are saying it it doesn't matter how how great you can be during practice that's tremendous to be able to work with your teammates and get your teammates better but at the end of the day i don't know if it is if he is working that well in practice then I think it's just up to that individual. I think it's up to that player. I think it's up to Joe Milton to be able to translate that to the field. Again, if the coaches are that confident in what he has, for some reason it just kind of sounds like to them, hey, for whatever reason, those throws aren't connecting in the game, even if they are in practice during live scrimmages or, or live you know, drills or things like that. So I, I, I'm really – I'm kind of stuck right now and somewhat believing that, hey – what can these coaches do to really move this guy along a little bit quicker? But then on the other hand, what is it that Joe Milton needs to do himself to be able to translate 
what he has shown the coaches on the practice field and uh, onto the game field. Well, that's and that was that's been my thing all week. Is okay. This, this how old is he? He's twenty two, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, something like that. From day one of this God given powerful arm, I'll guarantee you, coach after coach after coach said, "Man, you're going to have to develop some touch. You need to develop some touch. You need to develop some touch." He was at Michigan. I'm sure that's what they told him, and I'm sure that's what the Tennessee staff has told him. So at this point in time, he has not done that and doesn't look to can be able to do that, maybe doesn't want to do that. And I'm, I I just don't understand why we just move on. We just move on and figure out who can actually get this done. Is it Hooker? Maybe it is Harrison Bailey in the long run. And maybe Josh Heupel is a genius and there's some sort of plan here early in the season uh, that I have no idea about. Well, he is known for working his magic with, with quarterbacks, at least what I've heard. So, you know, we, we haven't seen that yet with, with Milton. But Hooker looked pretty good when he came in, so... Uh, I don't know. There's still obviously still some questions there about who will be the long-term starter at the quarterback position. But uh, you know, when you bring it back to the Pittsburgh game, uh, you know, maybe uh, a few less uh, penalties and you, you win that game because they were in it uh, till the end there, pretty much, right, Rick? Yeah, I, I think so too. And you know, you're you're talking about kind of just what what has this been so far? Has this been the plan for Josh Heupel and if this has been the plan and this is kind of the, the road that he is expected to take, then that's a kind of a crazy start to the first uh, to your first season as an SEC coach, although maybe not as weird as South Carolina's right now. But, guys, I, I actually want to go back and circle back to the beginning of our conversation right there. You guys asked who, who maybe I would like to see next. And i got to tell you, after that Pittsburgh game, I was certainly impressed with Hendon Hooker. I thought that at the beginning of the game you could tell a little bit early on that he was maybe shaking off a little bit of the nerves, maybe uh, getting used to the speed of the game on the field. I mean, we got to think that was truly his first time on the Tennessee field leading the Tennessee offense for consecutive drives. But I thought especially kind of after that, again, after that fumble that started the second half, he was really kind of able to lock into a little bit of a groove. I I didn't think he was so standout great that, again, Heupel is basically forced to make him his starter for this Tennessee Tech game. But I at least really was intrigued with what I saw from Hendon Hooker on Saturday. I, I would love to see him more again on uh, this Saturday, which, again, I, I certainly think we will against an opponent like Tennessee Tech. Well, you, Right. I mean, Tennessee Tech, uh, the Tennessee Vols should score a bunch of points against Tennessee Tech, which gives an opportunity for really all three quarterbacks to play. Um, so we'll see what happens in that because – I think if uh, if Coach Heibel doesn't try to get all three of those guys in the mix at some point, and I don't care which way, which order they're in there or whatever, but give them some game time and let's see who, you know, who sometimes guys play better when the lights are on. Of course, it'll be at noon, but you know what I'm saying. In a real game, sometimes you can evaluate where a dude really stands. And this would be a great game to do that, considering it is Tennessee Tech, and, and Tennessee should uh, not have any issues with uh, with scoring some points here. So why not give all of them uh, a chance, uh, you know, maybe two series here and there, and see what they can do. I mean, this, now's the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's go back to the Bowling Green game for a second there. Once Tennessee kind of established a good lead, they really just relied on the run game to basically close out the entirety of the second half behind Jabari Small and Tyon Evans. Now go back to just one week ago. Guys, we were talking on this show last Thursday, and we were talking about how, again, Tennessee running back Tyon Evans, the leading rusher at the time, still the leading rusher on Tennessee's team, how he was basically listed as questionable for the game. 
obviously did not end up playing against Pittsburgh. Then Jabari Small goes out just within five minutes into the second quarter. Now we talked to uh, we talked to Josh Heupel yesterday and today. Yeah, those two running backs, Jabari Small and Tyon Evans, still questionable. It doesn't look like uh, well, at, at least it doesn't look like there is going to be any answers before game time. I, I am assuming Josh Heupel definitely said that he did not have any answers on that today. But again, we could be looking at a second straight game with with the Tennessee offense for the entirety of the game this time, not having Jabari Small, not having Tyon Evans. I don't think that's a huge deal, again, against Tennessee Tech, against a team that you have a 99.5% chance to win, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. But at the same time, man, it'd be really nice to be able to get Tyon Evans, to be able to get Jabari Small some more reps before you start SEC play against Florida at, uh, at the Swamp in a night game just one week after Tennessee Tech. No doubt about it. Uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the junior college player that just found eligibility this early this week. What what did you what do you know Byron about him? Young. What is it? Byron Young. Yeah, Byron Young. Tell me a little bit about him, and have you seen him on the practice field? And because from what I've read, the potential is is through the roof for this kid. Uh, now he's finally eligible and ready to go Saturday. Yeah, guys, I, I think that this was certainly a junior college recruit that was maybe a little bit under the radar because of what he, because of where he was previously at Georgia Military College. But no doubt about it, this is a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball that Tennessee's coaches and players have been raving about since the beginning of fall camp. I, I remember, obviously, they did not necessarily expect this situation heading into the game this uh, – well, that week one game against um, Bowling Green – but nonetheless, these guys were so excited to see Byron Young get in the game, so excited to see what he has and what he can bring to the table. And what that is, it's just a really solid edge rush. This is a guy who, who has speed and power, a great combination of the two, and can really get after the quarterback. When we look at Tennessee's defense, they have not forced a turnover through two games this, uh, so far this season. I don't really look at that as anything to panic about, anything to necessarily get frustrated and pull your hair out about. But at the same time, having a guy like Byron Young be inserted into the lineup now, be able to get a little bit more of a pass rush on a quarterback, who knows? I think that could be a big advantage in trying to get Tennessee one of these first few uh, turnovers on the season. But, yeah, man, I I do think that he's going to be a big playmaker. I've been really excited to see him all fall camp. And certainly, again, and I don't don't think they're just, you know, this, this was normal coach speak or player speak. I think these coaches and players were, are, are genuinely excited uh, to get this guy on the field. You know, a lot of the Tennessee fans we know that, that are either calling their show or just, or just friends, yeah, at least this is my, my personal experience, and Quake, you might have a, a different one, but it's kind of, yeah, there's a lot of hype at the beginning of the season, and, and now it's just, I don't know, it's kind of a wait-and-see attitude for all the, a lot of the fans that I know. Well, what about you, Rick? I mean, the, the guys and gals that you know that follow Tennessee, what are their feelings so far? You know, I think that coming into the season, it was really fascinating. Tennessee is such a passionate fan base. Tennessee is such a dedicated fan base that for years and years and years, these fans lined up every single season, no matter what was going on, and they wanted to see Tennessee. This is kind of the first year that I really believe that I've seen a little bit more of a wait-and-see approach from the fans. And I was curious about that, right? Would that just be a little bit more of an off-season thing with the coaching transition? Would that carry into the season? Of course, you got your, your spike of people uh, for that Thursday night game against Bowling Green. But, I mean, you guys have seen the attendance a little bit. No doubt the people that are there are still rowdy, are still loving where they're at. 
are still excited about what things are to come. But no doubt, I think there's still a lot of people who are taking this wait-and-see approach. And again, you know, a loss to Pittsburgh in Week 2 doesn't necessarily help, especially some of the people you know, who, who aren't going to see some of the more positive aspects of the game or, or something along those lines. But I, I think that people are hesitant on you know, maybe jumping out to any kind of big win prediction uh, two weeks into the season or anything like that. I know for me, I'm still locked in around 500. I, I, looking, at, looking ahead in the season, there are a couple of what I believe should be, should be fairly easy Tennessee wins. And then, of course, there are a couple of uh, likely, very likely losses. But, man, there are a couple of early season toss-ups, games against South Carolina, games against Missouri, that are really going to define this Tennessee schedule before some of those more, I guess, locked-in games, if you will are more towards the back half of the season. Yeah, that at Missouri uh, in two weeks is really going to loom large. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because if you can't beat them, then it looks like the only wins that Tennessee would have, um, and you never know, but, I mean, you're thinking maybe South Alabama and Vanderbilt at that point because Kentucky beat Missouri. So I just think it's been, Rick, so many so much gloom and doom for such a long time that, you know, now there's a, and, and we'll get into this a little bit later on because it's complete speculation, but Fox Sports' Joe Clyde is saying that, Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley might be the lead candidate for Southern Cal, and if they hired him, would Josh Heupel be the next candidate at Oklahoma? So, I mean, you got Tennessee fans that are already saying, oh, look, it's Kiffin 2.0. I mean, we're two games into the season. It's, you know, it's just they're <laughs> expecting the worst at this point, and I can't say I blame them. Yeah, you've been – Tennessee fans have been beaten down by bad news for a long, long time, and, again, I think that's why you see a little bit of hesitation right now going on, you know, a, a however many consecutive coaches in a row that have not worked out. And again, they have past memories to build on that are not hypothetical, right? Tennessee fans remember right. the Lane Kiffin situation. They right. remember him leaving after one year. It's not just a, a fairy tale saying, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? It's saying, no, we've been there before. We've had a promising, young, uh, you know, a young a relative, but you know, a, a offensive-minded, a promising up-and-coming coach, and he has left after one year. So we have experienced these hardships before that certainly not a, not every other program has gone through. And, and again, so I think you are going to see that continued hesitation going through the season. Regardless, you, you could get out into a nice little start against a, against those South Carolina and Missouris uh, of the SEC. But again, Fans want to see more continued success. Fans want to see more consistency when it comes to success. Rick Butler from Rocky Top Insider. We appreciate it as always. Tell the folks how they can follow you on social media. All righty, gentlemen, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rick underscore Butler. That is R I C with uh, no K. And you can check out my uh, well, not mine certainly. Uh, the the website that that I have the pleasure to write for RockyTopInsider.com. We have a lot of great Tennessee news following the uh, following the stories every single day. We are up on campus every single opportunity we can be, uh, just like we were today. And we got great video of John Scheifel's press conference. So, guys, I, I got to say though, for a third week in a row, it is a pleasure to talk to you guys on a Thursday. It's a pleasure to break down a little Tennessee football. Thank you so much for having me. You got I look it. forward to running it back next week. Yeah, we'll do it again next awesome, week, man. Rick. Thank, Thank you, you, man. Keep up the good work. I read it every day, bud. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. You got it. Rick Butler from Rocky Top Insider.